some would say, and I would say some of the anti-Mormons say, well, you're just born that way and you just, just embrace it, lean into it. Yeah. Embr- oh, embrace wow. it. Uh, what's the, what's the word now? Affirm that. Affirm yeah, that's your the way, truth. That's your the way truth. you are. It's your truth. Yeah. Affirm that behavior yep. because that's who you are. Like your truth. That's such a scary place to be. Right? Yeah, because what does Satan want to do? Separate. Separate. He wants to keep us separate, right? When you connect uniquely, like spiritually to other people, what do you get? You get healing. And it says in Ether 12, 27, he's the one who gives us weaknesses. That's a unique perspective that most people in addiction don't see. They think of themselves, they found the weakness and they're, therefore they're less than society. When reality is like our heavenly father loves us enough to give us weaknesses so that we can get humble, so we can come unto him. And if we do that consistently, weak things become strong. We're sitting here on a podcast you know, talking about it. If you haven't been to a 12 step meeting and you hear the, sh- the sincere shares that are shared, it is on par with a temple. If the church and the gospel were, were what was going to heal me, then I wouldn't be here again. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Midnight Mormons. I am your host, Cardinalis, and today I'm joined in the studio by Kwaku L, Brad Whitbeck, Brad Barber, there's two Brads in the house, okay, mm-hmm. as well as Jay Merrifield. I had to make sure I got Merrifield correct. And these guys run the Next Step podcast, which is an addiction recovery podcast that's super cool. And they're going to talk to us today, if I'm not botching the title, how anti-Mormons prey upon addicts. Which is a super controversial statement, but they're shaking their heads and they're saying, yeah, that's true. Now, before we dive into the controversy, tell us a little bit about yourselves, what your, what your story is, what the podcast is, what your addiction recovery program is, and then tell us how anti-Mormons prey on addicts. Because you want to know what? That makes total sense. So well, dive right in. Brad. We're both uh, Southern California natives. Uh, I grew up, uh, we're kind of opposites. We'll get into that. I grew up here in Southern California, Orange County, and uh, about... 10 years ago, this cat moves into our ward and, and he gets up and bears his testimony in church. Do you surf? Of course. Yeah. You got the surfer <laughs> lingo, bro. Yeah. What, what yeah. Well, and the tan, the tan, but I was like, yeah, this guy, this guy talks like he had a short board in the late eighties, early nineties. You know what I'm saying? Still to this day. Still like, this yeah, day. rock on. You know what I'm, I'm saying? That's Brad rips. I'm mayor, man. I have 30 boards in my garage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So keep talking, keep talking. So this cat moves in, bears his testimony and like, uh, let's be fair. Half the testimony meetings are, eh. They're all right, right? You kind of hope for that crazy person to get up and share their testimony. That's me. And (laughs) talk about the flat earth or something. So anyways, Jay gets up and, you know, first of all, like beautiful. I don't know if that was a compliment or a dig. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Next, next. Keep going, man. So bears his testimony um, and was very emotional and and just said, hey, him and his wife just got back together, just moved into our ward. And he has just started recovery from opiate addiction. And if anyone needs help, come see him, come talk to him. And it was just like quiet and it was very powerful and very real. And I think you may have mentioned that you surfed in that testimony or something like that. So I uh, hit him up pretty soon. Like, Hey, welcome to the war, blah, blah, blah. He lived up the street from me. I found, and then we started going surfing. And I'm a curious guy. I started asking lots of questions. I think like most people, the only time I saw 12 step represented on TV or in movies, you just see like the circle and like the, 
the ladies of the dude, like, I'm, I'm, mine's Jim. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Jim. And then like, it, and then <laughs> yeah. that's kind of it, right? Like, that's all I know about. There was some, some good, some albums by Macklemore and Eminem about recovery, but I didn't know much about it. I, again, like most people have plenty of addicts in my family on my mission. You know, I still remember this teaching this guy, like the golden guy teaching him strong testimony. He just overcame a cocaine addiction and like credited us to, uh, helping him a lot. Yeah. And then we'd show up to his house the next day and every his wife's crying. Everything is gone out of the house because he sold everything to go. Just like that, just changed. Yeah, yeah. like, dude, there's yeah. like, great. And then the wife was like, oh, he's amazing. Like, I've never seen this. And then all of a sudden, everything, literally, every, it was VHS days. Everything sold, even the VHS tapes, gone. And she's crying. And he's like, he went and sold it for cocaine. And like, you know, <sighs> praying doesn't take it away. And so... Just had like what? What's the solution to this? It just seems really challenging. When I so I was just asking him a question, like, tell me about this. Oh, you go to a twelve step meeting? Our church has them too. Like, yeah. Start asking a ton of questions, and then Jay was very forthcoming. Which, you know, I was like, it's okay to ask these questions. I'm an open book, dude. You can ask me anything. And, That's uh, literally what I said. And yeah, he, he yeah. literally talked for like an hour and a half. Like, dude, so what about this? What about that? I'm like, dude, I don't know. I'm learning about recovery too. I uh, was recovered for like a year at that point. Literally just got one year sober. And the reason why I got up and actually spoke in church that Sunday and like bore my testimony was this girl that had been coming to the meeting had about 70 days sober. A member of the church, like solid family, um, you know, had some struggles in her childhood, was sharing every week, like 70 yeah. some days, goes back to Seattle to pick her stuff up from her dad's house and never returned. She, she relapsed just like that guy and, and OD'd and died. And all of a sudden, the next week, I'm in there at the meeting, and we're just getting to know her. Like, she's a beautiful young girl, like 21, 22 years old. And then all of a sudden, her these two, like, this couple is there, and they're crying. I'm like, who are they? And I put two and two together. They're, they're, it's the parents. And it was pretty heavy. And so then, like, and, I was, and here I am, like, about ready to celebrate my one year, feeling like I accomplished something in life. And I'm like, oh, whoa. This is real. Like, like I, there's no guarantee I'm going to live through this or stay sober. I, I love the word that you said, real. Like, part of the reason why I just said, the second Brad contacted me and told me that he was part of the addiction recovery program, I was like, yes, you can come on. Just because I think in the church, no one gets the atonement, especially in Western North America. I'd say North America in general. Nobody really gets the atonement, I feel, as well as recovered addicts. And I haven't seen the atonement work better in people's lives than in those that have gone through the humbling process of addiction recovery. And I personally think that like we would do well, like if our elders quorums all just went through those 12 steps, I, I haven't had any kind of glamorous addiction. I, I feel blessed that I have avoided that in my life and being raised with especially Polish sure. ancestors that died the way that they died. You know what I'm saying? I feel so blessed that I was raised in, in Mormonism that, that definitely helped me avoid that, especially at a young age. But let me tell you, I do not feel like I walk higher than those people because do, do you know how many times I've tried to quit sugar? Like, I, I, I'm sorry, but it's like, like if I can't, <laughs> yeah, if, if I can't just like, our industrialized food source is giving us this and killing us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. In almost as unglorious a fashion as the cocaine or the meth or the whatever, but we're walking around somehow thinking we're better. And, and that just cannot be the case is not the case. So I want to get you guys on also the idea that anti mormons prey on addicts. I thought was a really good thumbnail. So, you know what I'm saying? We're going to have that one as well. So, um, yeah, like I just, 
I would encourage anybody that wants to reach out to these guys to reach out to them before we continue the conversation. It's the next step podcast and it's awesome. You know, reach out because I think the atonement helps anybody that does have that problem better than I don't even know what I'm saying other than just like, I think it works and I've seen it with my own eyes. So finish yeah. your thoughts yeah, yeah. and then so, tell me how anti-Mormons pray on. Uh, so uh, so on I felt addict. the same way, Cardin. And uh, so I learned that this, a neighboring stake had a 12 step meeting and I was like, why doesn't our stake have one? Yeah. And what'd you say? Like Jim? I was driving like 20 yeah. minutes, uh, like down well, the freeway. Before to go, that, yeah. how far were you driving? Uh, I was living in Whittier, California and drove all the way to San Clemente. It's the only meeting I knew about. And I'm it's thinking like an hour, which hour? is not normal. Like anything in the church, like has, has the same thing in every ward, every stake. And it, that wasn't the case for the addiction recovery meetings. And so, yeah, that's where I drove. There was like five to eight people that would show up every week on a Thursday night and they would sit in a circle, kind of like you see in the movies, but no smoking, no coffee, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and they would just share real stuff. And you're like, you know, I was 26 at the time. My wife had left me pregnant with our second child. Like it was rough. It was pretty intense. And like these people were real. And when I first went in there, just like everyone else, I was thinking these are going to be the low bottom feeders of the church. The they dregs were, of yeah, society. They were literally lawyers, doctors, like, <laughs> like dudes who were crushing in life and business. And, and had done amazing things, but had had struggles in their past or in their present. And and then before you know it, you identify. But the long story short, it was, you know, I had to drive down there. And he's like, wait a minute. And Brad literally is like, why don't we have one in our stake? I'm like, dude, that's a good question. Like, why don't we? And, you, and you're a convert, so you don't really know, like, yeah. how's that work? How's this work? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, I went on a mission and things, so I, I learned some of the basic stuff. But, like, I, I feel like when I joined the church in 2005, I should have got the Book of Mormon and the ARP manual, like the 12-step manual the church has. Like, especially with a kid like me, I started doing drugs at 11, got sober several times, but always went back to drugs and alcohol and a lot of other things. And so at 19... Why wasn't that handed to both? Why didn't I have that as a resource on my mission in the Philippines where everyone smokes, most people drink, and they suffer from a lot of challenges over there? So anyways, that was where I was coming from. So our podcast was formulated because uh, I was barking up the tree at our stake president. Like, hey, we need this in our stake. Like, Pretty intense. I, I know, when he says and, barking, he was like, yeah, it was, it was, and, yeah. And, and I the, saw the emails. The, yeah, the, the church is us. So like when we complain about the church, we're just complaining about us. So yeah, if we feel yeah. inspired, like we're not, not victim, doing it. Yeah. So, You're speaking Brad's language. So, oh yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You guys so, are definitely Brad so and Brad, I'm like, dude. Bro, we got to get this going. And he's like, sounds great. Start it up. You're, you're leading it. And so I'm like, Jay, all right, good news. We're setting one up. Good. Do you and I good literally news? just got to see your sober. So like I, we're doing yeah, it. I'm I, like, all right, uh, I think I, I can. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. So we started and I'm telling you what, if you haven't been to a 12 step meeting and you hear the, sh the sincere shares that are shared, it is on par with a temple. I know you go to the temple and you feel you get the spirit and then you get personal revelation. Same thing happens in these 12 step meetings. And I was just like, well, how do we get this out to the world? You know, I'm a podcast fan. And listening to podcasts, and I we were where were we hunting, Jay? Yeah, Yuma, Arizona. We're sitting Bird in a hot tub. Yeah, and I'm like, it's like 104 degrees out at midnight. Like, and he's like, hey, I got this idea for you. What do you think? And I literally thought he's crazy. I was like, the only podcast I listen to is Joe Rogan. I'm like, who's gonna want to listen to? Like, what are you talking about? Like, uh, I was, yeah, I'm pretty egotistical, but at the time, I was like, no one's gonna. Like, I thought he'd bite this, it. He's this was like seven. Ego. Yeah, I thought he'd bite on. I keep it in check. Yeah, that's for sure. But like seven years ago, there was barely any pod. There wasn't small podcasts getting started. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there were, but maybe I didn't hear about them. Yeah. So, so the so. You know, just researched in how to do it, started it up. Um, and at the time, all I knew about were in, when LDS Focus podcast was uh, Richie Stedman's podcast, the Cultural Hall, yeah, and yeah. then your favorite boy, John DeLynn, 
who was at that point was like, you know, I'm still a Mormon, but I just got some questions, you know, and he could see the writing on the wall that this guy's leading. Yeah, back when he was faking it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he was like so shocked he got excommunicated. And then all of a sudden now he's an atheist right now, right? Is he? I don't know. He, he dodges that. And he's a capitalist. The only is to yeah, capitalist. Extra, extra, extra. We actually so, call it the home wrecking for profit sect of Christianity. <laughs> wow. But anyway, just keep going. So, yeah, so, no, I've seen this stuff. It's, it's pretty bad. So our so on our if you go 12 steps of change, we've got six years of podcast. Our first, you know, our first bits like a little surf report. We talk just about the news, give a little addiction cover news, get a little church news because I wanted to like do some defense of the church because I didn't feel like it was happening out there. Yeah. And then just straight into a step, step one, step two, step three. And then we do an S segment called Ask the Addict. And we'd interview and sit down with addicts and have them share their recovery story. Oh, and wow. like and questionnaires that you would always like want to ask someone, but never did. Cause they're like, you know, you yeah. don't have that setting. And, and yeah. it was, it was really good. Uh, People responded so to it well. From, That's awesome. From, from everything. Like you everything, just said, you so fruit it. addiction, depression, um, alcoholism, pornography, gambling, obviously drugs, like you name it, depression. Like it was, it was intense. And like at the time, once again, he, one of the questions he asked me in the hot tub was like, well, if you had this, when you were getting sober, would this have been a resource? I'm like, yeah, I like, I only knew of that little meeting. I knew that there was AA everywhere, but if I went there, they were smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee and like, I didn't need to go back to that life. You know, I just joined the church a few years prior. So I'm like, I need to, if I had an LDS resource, I just believed at the time I'm such a believer. Like if, 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 if it is something that's going to better my life, the church is going to have it in there. I don't have to seek out in the world. I don't, doesn't mean you don't need to learn things out in the world, but like when it came to something like this, like getting sober or like finding Christ or figuring out how to overcome something that's plagued your life because you were a victim in your childhood or whatever it is, the church would have it. And come to find out it was established. The book that I got, you know, in, in uh, 2012 was established actually in 1984, Ooh, two years God. before I was born or oh, 89 wow. or something like, yeah. that, that, like that I should have got that into a, you know, was in the church. Yeah. In 89, it was approved in 89, but no one knew about it. No one. Still this day, like a lot of stake presidents, mission, you know, right. mission presidents don't know about it. And it's this insane resource. Hmm. We, we used it a lot on my mission, actually. Here, go, yes, go forward on the mic. Yeah. With uh, people in New York and Connecticut. Sweet. It was That's super epic. helpful. I wish I had it on my mission. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For people who are in like the 12 step program up in Connecticut, mostly. I think wow. Well, like, listen, to, like, here's the, like uh, the acronym, like one word sense for each 12, like of the 12 steps. Tell me if you're like, a, if you believe in the gospel or you believe in Christ or any of that stuff, listen to this. It's, it has nothing to do with addiction. Honesty, hope, trust in God. Step four, truth, confession, change of heart, humility, seeking forgiveness, restitution, reconciliation, daily accountability, personal revelation and service. If you're a member of any faith, don't you want that in your life? It has yeah. nothing. It doesn't say anything yeah. about addiction. It doesn't like the, in fact, like, like you were saying about Elishkorn, you know, presidency and having it more like a meeting. Like if it didn't have the name addiction recovery program, it would probably already be that way. There's a stigma mm. with that name. And that's what I feel like our purpose is with the podcast, as well as like my purpose in sharing my story and being open is I want to take away the shame. Like, like yeah. we all know the adversary loves shame and he, lo and, and that's, you know, we're talking about anti-Mormons and all this stuff. They love stuff like that and criticism. And, um, I think things like this grow in the shadows. And so like, I just want people to realize like, that's why we all know this. We teach this in the gospel. This is why we're here. Right. We're here to learn, grow and experience things. And some of these things are heavy. Some of these things are not so heavy. But when it is heavy, it doesn't mean that you're a leopard and put you out there. And, and if you are a leopard, where did Christ go first? You're the leopard. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, dude. Like, 
awesome. So <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So how do anti-Mormons prey on addicts? Well, you mentioned And I want names. <laughs> I want now. names. Websites. No, uh, <laughs> we have a few. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let me pull up my stake directory. I'll get no, phone calls. I'll get phone calls right away. <laughs> That's no, funny. But Jay, has it been easy the last 10? You just picked up a 10-year chip? Yeah, so I just got 10 years sober and of uh, the first eight years of my recovery, um, relatively after the first year, obviously it was pretty gnarly. Me and my wife got back together about like six months into my recovery. And so obviously like miracle there had two more kids. We have four kids now, like life went on pretty well. And I feel like I was a little sheltered from like physical ailments. So I got addicted to painkillers on my mission. So I was a member for a year and a half go on my mission. Turns out I had a sinus surgery first time given a painkiller and I was hooked. Like the okay. minute I took it, I was like, I was so naive at the time at 21 years old. And I had so much migraines and headaches that I remember thinking this is literally a gift from God. That's literally how I felt. I was like, I can now do my work. I can read the scriptures in the morning. I don't have to be crippled in bed with an ice pack on my head. Like yeah. this is a gift, you know, and this, but this must be how normal people felt. Right. And then, so long story short, that was my story. That's how I got hooked. Then I don't have any other surgery until about three years ago. Literally my body starts to fall. I turn like 32, 33, and I have surgery after surgery, my shoulders, like my neck, like oh, all this man. different stuff. And you're then the oldest young man I know ever. And you're <laughs> the, yeah, you're the youngest old guy I know. So it works out pretty good. So yeah. And like, uh, I hadn't had to take a painkiller though, for most of my recovery. Imagine if you're an alcoholic and someone comes to you and says, Hey, I just need you to take a few sips in the morning, a few sips at night, right? Oh, you're a porn man. addict. Like, Hey, just look for 30 minutes, not too much longer than that. And if you have pain later in the night, like look at it again. Like oh what's going to happen gosh. to your life? Like, right. Yeah. And luckily I had a program and I had a sponsor and I, and like I had a community around me, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't affect you. And like you, if you know anyone who's taking painkillers or opiates, like it disconnects you from reality, from the spirit, from a lot of things. Right. And like, and so the last three years were rough. Cause like I'd get over one, I think I'm good. I get going for a few months and then boom, other shoulder goes out or bicep tendon rips, like oh, all man. sorts of stuff. And then it just got rough the last couple of years. Um, after the third surgery or second surgery and being on painkillers, I was just like, yeah, I can't explain it. It was the only time in my entire membership of the church since I was 19 years old that I like actually started to question like everything, you know, because you like, you start to have pain after pain. You're like, well, I think I'm doing everything right. Like, why is this? You, it's crazy. You can hold on pretty strong for a while, but after a while, like I you remember can get, the first yeah. uh, topic. Cause it was one of our last podcasts before we went on a break. Yeah. It what was, was it? It was the uh, church's financial. Oh, you're right. When, you're right. That's when it happened. When, when the church had. What was uh, the guy when, that came in whistleblower or whatever? Yeah, supposedly. whistleblower of the money. And I took it as like, that's, can I say stinking on here? Yeah, sure. Will. <laughs> yeah. It's freaking awesome. We have, <laughs> have all the church has this much money. Like we're yeah. doing the law of the harvest. Like I thought it was an awesome thing. Which I would have normally thought that way too. But in the state of mind I was at, it was like. Yeah. You sent me a few articles from the other side. like Yeah. Like, like other stuff church. that I'd read and, and people that we had known that had left the church and were loving the oh, fact yeah, that like I was that. questioning things like, oh, yeah. hey, did you see this? And knew that I was in a bad spot, knew that I was questioning things. Oh, and man. this is what we're talking about with the topic. And then before you know it, I got some articles sent to me. I'm like, it is kind of crazy. Like, yeah, like the church is investing in these things like big pharma. Like, dude, as an opiate addict, like that's something that like I'm really I understand we need pharmaceuticals and surgeries and things like that. But like, you know, when you're in that state of mind, it's it's crazy how quickly you go <laughs> when from you get the colonoscopy tomorrow. You're going to be really thankful for that. A hundred percent. Like, I want to be out. <laughs> Hopefully I don't wake up like dude, like it's going to be pretty intense. And like, that's what I mean. So but when you're in that state of mind and you're consuming something like that daily, you just um, you don't have your daily reprieve, as they say in the program, spiritually. Right. Like I wasn't saying my prayers at that point. I was still going to church, still going to meetings, but things had happened that like I had 
put away the dailies, we call them, like calling a sponsor um, every day or like checking in with people or just saying my prayers in general. So like something like that happens. It was like, what was it? hundred million, like billion. I don't remember what the guy was claiming. It was a lot. Yeah. Mis misappropriate funds. And when I'm like, well, that's crazy. Then articles come to me and I'm like, oh, that's nuts. Yeah, wait a minute. Like we say no paid clear, you know what I mean? And that's just started rolling. Yeah. And then it just kind of sat there and I voiced my opinion. Like I didn't get all anti or anything, but like I just kind of let it sit. And when you don't seek for like spiritual answers from Heavenly Father, then it's just like a seed on the good side, right? And it can sit there and it can grow. And more challenges kept happening, more medicine kept coming in, and it was just like other things kept coming. But so the the shame that you shared you felt and a lot of people in, in recovery or oh, yeah. early stages of recovery is deep and real and yeah, heavy, heavy and, stuff. and you're looking for answers for that and the in my opinion the anti-mormons love to like well it's the church's fault if the church is why oh, this, yeah. the church oh, is this yeah if you wouldn't feel that way if it wasn't the church doing this yeah a lot of shame so like as soon as you start to feel shame and guilt it's like well you wouldn't you have that construct in your mind like because of the church teaching you you need to be perfect and i love like, this because jay joined the church at, well, how old were you 19 19 years old no bible and, in my house as no a kid. religion no nothing so not brainwashed and, at all and, right like, and it was cool like he's tried everything yeah so i'm like how did it i feel? went to every church you good? could think did of you feel bad what what What's I've this, tried all the drugs. This, I've tried this? all the like gospel stuff in high school. I read the, the Bible cover to cover and it was like, I was fascinated by it. Like, um, but uh, yeah, like I, when I joined the church, I went all in. Like I went on a mission as soon as I could. Like I, I left my friends and even family for a while. Like, oh, wow. you know, like it was, I mean, they were always supportive, but it's just different, right? You join the church, it's, it's a different lifestyle. So it was a weird place for me to be in. Like, because like I had always... It came like I knew I wasn't brainwashed because I knew I was old enough to make my own decisions and I had been to other churches. But I think just like the stuff I was going to on top of it, the pain that I was suffering from, and like just constant like trial after trial when I was like kind of cruising and doing everything right, and then like all of a sudden that happened, which is pretty common narrative. Yeah. But mm -hmm. um it was pretty rough. And the last couple of years are rough, and I feel like I'm finally just starting to come back, like, you know all in on the church again and just like understanding that like it's just a trial and like I'm learned way more. I have way more compassion for those. Just like when I first got sober, I went from having no compassion. Oh, I was the guy on my mission that like, even though I was a convert, I was like, you don't want to be here. Like go home. Like, like we're here to knock doors. Like here, we're here to like do the Lord's work. Like I thought I was like going to get a scripture written after me, you know, like I was like, like I was overzealous, right? Like I was young and I like, I really did feel like I was changed by the Lord. And so I like wanted to go out there and do that. And so it was interesting that I even found myself like in a state of mind where I was questioning things and I'm not a, like a fence setter type of person. So when you get in that head stage, that's kind of weird to be. Wow. That, that is, I feel like I've drank from a fire hose <laughs> for like, you know, the past tw uh, 20 minutes. Um, for real. I, I, th that's an amazing story. And, 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 and this has, this might be a little off topic, but. Did you play Will Turner in Pirates of the Caribbean? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. He looks oh just my like gosh, Will Turner. Turner. He takes his hat off. Yeah. Oh, yeah, his wife hair. wishes. She loves it. His wife my wife's wishes. a huge pirate. Oh, no, seriously. She's the one who wants me to have the mustache. I'm like, I got to shave this. She's like, you look like Antonio Banderas. Mask of Zorro. <laughs> or probably that. No, the up. whole time you're talking about I'm recovery. And I'm like, did you ever recover your dad from Davy Jones? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's still down there. He could have been, though. He could have been. Who knows? He's kind of the pirate. That's hilarious. So, um, <laughs> what, what do you think some of the biggest arguments that anti-Mormons make actually uh, people fall victim to and why? 
Like, how do you think that, it, like, were you just kind of saying that in our phone call to be a little bit salacious and get a cool clickbait title? Or do you, you did, actually you really think- You did light up on that pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did, because I was like, dang, that is good. No, like, yeah. let's take the obvious, like, word of wisdom. I mean, the early anti-Mormons, when I grew up in California, the anti-Mormons were the evangelicals. The yeah. Morgans, Calvary yeah. Chapel, like, billboards on the side, come from Mormon night, learn about it. And it's <laughs> shifted, true. and it's shifted now, like- it's it's all ex Mormon ex members of the church. Uh, that true. seems like it, right? Yeah. Um, and so, but early fruits like drinking. The only reason you think you have a problem with this substance is because of the church. Like you don't drink as much as you want. Like whatever. Like you're having fine. And and yep. then then the currently I think sexual issues. So we have a law of chastity, and it's not us. It's it's Christian. It's biblical about living the law of chastity. And and, and like if that were true, why would there be secular Alcoholics Anonymous? Yeah, like know, that's why these these yeah. why it's these these. Uh, sorry, they're clowns. They're like go to go to AA, go to SA. <laughs> like these are not they're they're worshiping a crystal, but they still you know they may not be worshiping a deity, but they still believe in a higher. They still power believe in a higher power. Solar, like but, in secular. But the, yeah. the, don't tell me there's not a sexual addiction or alcohol, like all these things that. That mm. that show that your life is unmanageable. Now, that's not everyone that drinks or whatever is an alcoholic, but if your life has become unmanageable of anything, substance, sugar, behavior, then you your your life's become manageable. And some would say, and I would say some of the anti Mormons say, well, you're just born that way, and you just just embrace it, lean into it, yeah, Embr oh, embrace wow. it. Uh, what's the what's the word now? Affirm that. Affirm yeah, that's your the way, truth. That's it's the way truth. you are. It's your truth. Yeah. Affirm that behavior. Yep. Because that's who you are. Like your truth. That's such a scary place to be. Like, <laughs> has the trend head, like, towards secularism? Uh, has the the trend towards secularism and um, within the context of Mormonism, uh, ex Mormon anti Mormonism made it more difficult for you to help people recover, or has it just been the same difficulty level but just a different brand now? Like, has it made it worse, better? What's, what's I, your, I think it is the, when, when someone comes and they're serious about getting recovery, any of you come to a LDS ARP meeting, I don't care if you're there. We don't care if you're Jewish, yeah. atheist, I've sponsored whatever. Jews, like yeah. my, my buddies up from high school. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what your faith structure and is. And they love it. Let's get you clean and sober into a right mind to where you can get in tune with getting what we believe is inspiration and spiritual revelation from God. Then you'll find the truth. So, yeah. so just to make sure I'm, I'm hearing you right, you found that in your experience, anti-Mormons are l taking people who are in a complicated state of mind yep. and, and emotions after to having to get out of, of some sort of addiction. And as opposed to supporting you on your journey out of addiction, because your journey is through the church, they would rather you yeah. get out of that journey for their own benefit of being able to have social kudos to say, look, we yeah. got someone else out. Like, yeah, and it may be subconscious or conscious. Hopefully it's subconscious, right? right so they right, don't right. like get held accountable. But like, as far as like the conscious, like a lot of offering for like, obviously psychedelics, right? That's a big movement right now that that'll save you. Right, Don't take those away from me. I haven't tried them yet. Yeah. No, I just can't. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know some buddies who've tried it and they never came back. So it's like, oh, yeah. and I did oh, them when man. I was younger. And, and But that's a movement right now. When you really dive into it, it's looked at as a God. Like it's the modern day, like cure One of all. my best friends is, he's Basically, we all know someone. Yeah, yeah. They've, they, yeah. And then God. they lose touch with reality, obviously. And like, so I got offered that, crystals, healing, sound healing, you name it. And obviously 
we are energy and we are like these things are like it's mingled with truth and scripture right and yeah. then falsehood and so like when you're in a what'd you say complicated state like in a, in a yeah yeah, yeah yeah you're yeah. in that you're in that like state of mind like dude you're when you're desperate like you're gonna look for anything especially when you have trauma from your childhood and things that come up from the surface if you relapse or if you're just in a bad spot like you're just looking for answers and you're like well if the church this is what i was thinking at the time if the church and the gospel were, were what was going to heal me, then I wouldn't be here again. Hmm. And I never thought hmm. that. That's Imagine like having that thought. And I, m- mind you, my whole life is the church. Everyone I know, the people I work with, everything I have in my life is because of that decision if you go back to 19 years old. And then all of a sudden at 36 or you know 34 when it was starting, like to go, man, maybe I... Maybe did I make a wrong? Like, is this confirmation bias? Like, you start questioning everything. Why? Because yeah. they're telling you it's confirmation bias. So, yeah. I got a question: Is there anything? I know the church has its own addiction recovery program, yep. and it is modeled after the the twelve steps yep. and the white book and everything. Um, is there anything unique to the LDS yeah. addiction recovery program that you find? To be, is there anything unique about being LDS in your attempt to recover from your addiction that you find uniquely helpful? Yes. So one of the biggest things that's unique to compared to AASA and all these other ones, in those meetings, they separate themselves from the other addictions. So like if you're a sex addict you and you're at an AA meeting, Alcoholics Anonymous, you can't say my sex addiction. My name's Jay. I'm a sex addict. You have to say, identify as an alcoholic. Okay, wait, but aren't all dudes sex? Like, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, I know. That's, we, we can all have sex every day. Like, yeah, I, yeah, just like that, what? But, but some do. Yes, some actually do. Yes, and they do with like multiple people. And yeah. even though I have, I mean, yeah. Well, I do, but it's not multiple people. Yeah. You know, like, just, I don't yeah. know if I'm an addict. You yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's, it's a big difference it's, when you're using I try it with Brad, but not with Quake. Oh, my God. What's Brad? Wait, what's Brad? <laughs> What's Brad? There's two Brad. You guys can fight over who gets the yeah. honor. But no, gosh, <laughs> this, got, this got intense. It, well, it, if your life's unmanageable with that obsession, then maybe. Yeah, yeah. Can I, so, can I so one of the secular things, real quick to answer your question, is what was different in the church that I didn't understand at first was when I walked in there, it literally says in the opening statement, this is for everyone, no matter what your addiction is, gambling, sex, mm-hmm. pornography, all that other stuff. And then what you come to find out as you sponsor other people. So I came in there for opiates. Then I started sponsoring people for sex addiction, depression, um, like, I mean, suicide, um, gambling, you name it. I'm like, oh, wait, we're all the same. Like, we all have the initially, same. Initially, though, does that the thought is that we're it's different, right? Yeah, because what does Satan want to do? Separate. Separate. He wants to keep us separate, right? When you connect uniquely, like spiritually to other people, what do you get? You get healing, like almost always, right? Mm. And so, like, what does he want to do? He, even within recovery, he wants people to be proud and be, think that their addiction is more intense than the other. It's like, no, this is a human condition that we find ourselves in. And the gospel applies to everything. So that's where it's the inclusiveness with all those diseases. So what? So, well, Cardin, really I have a, okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting because I have a I have a strong dislike of Big Pharma, as anyone who's yeah. watched the show knows. Good. But it was almost um, uh, given more weight, my dislike of them, when I spent a week in the the, the crazy barn. Did you watch and, that? Um, okay. Did I send you those? No, no. well, I was in, literally no. in the yeah, psych yeah. ward. You did? Oh, that's heavy. There's yeah, a whole I, ep- I, I'll send him your show on oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, it's crazy. But I was, um, I saw the people in there, because I was the only one there who was not there, like, for, I should not have been there, yeah, frankly. Yeah, 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 yeah. But 
a lot of people in the there. The first step I, is recognizing there's a problem. I know you're in a safe no, place. <laughs> you're in a safe place. I talked too much. You can talk after. Yeah. This yeah. is actually yeah. an this intervention. Is intervention. Yeah. It was right. Has nothing to do with us. We don't even have a podcast. I actually work for a facility. A place. Oh, I knew we were safe. Look, it was right and told the doctor that the lizard come, people were come, coming. Come they on just, in, guys. Come on in, guys. Let's get them. <laughs> no, um, but I saw these people in their meetings. You know, uh, just having honest confession with each other. What was supposed to be a safe space. Like a 12-step meeting yes. type situation. And you had these nurses in the background writing things down. And later that day, trying to get these people to take certain drugs. Mm. And it was not a couple things. It's like Handfuls. a bunch of different things. Yeah. Mm. And, I mean, at some point, you just feel the energy. And you know, okay, this is this is predatory. Because by the way, everything they're writing down, that's on their dime. It's not. It's so not. It's not just anti-Mormons preying on addicts. It's, it's big, big pharma. pharma. Well, well yeah. essentially, what I'm saying yes. though is there is a negative force that will take people in a state of honesty and will try to dupe them. And and by the way, the amount of people that come back to that psych ward because they get addicted to the but drugs the given drugs to them by them the psychiatrist. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. it, it's re- at some point I'm looking and I'm the only guy in there who's not taking anything, and I'm like. You're trying you you're trying to keep people addicted just on your stuff. Yep. And this is just competing drug lords. Hey, like this yeah. is I mean it's legal it's, drug dealing. It's horrific. And that's why you look up and Utah has all these major lawsuits yeah. from all these people suing these psycho yeah. wards because yeah. hey, you got my 16-year-old addicted, addicted to, to X, stuff. Y, and Z. Yeah. So I mean yeah. I can I can only say as it's, someone who's been in that room, like I've literally yeah, been in the place of like like a heavy spot. That's like where yeah. addiction can go. That's like the heaviest there or jail yes. or death, right? Yeah. That's where yes. it goes. And and, and and that's what's so sad about it is I, I, I felt I, powerless in there to help anyone. And and I yeah. do want to say there that's there true. is a space for those things when used correctly. Of course. Like, um, especially when, when you're talking about like treatment center, yeah. Yeah, with, with the way that you're being having to use certain uh, medicines that have been abused in the past, yep. you need to use them under proper discretion yep. and direction. And so there are good doctors who can help. hundred percent. It's just important to watch for when those things moderation in all things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if those administering to you do not believe in that concept, yeah, be careful. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened during the opiate epi- uh, epidemic. It was like, I went in there for a sinus surgery. If you went in there today, and that was in 2007 in Seattle on my mission, right? I went from the Philippines to there. LDS doctor. Yeah, yeah LDS doctor, um, a well-renowned church paid for it on my mission. Like, But I went in for a surgery. If you went in today, they'd probably give you nothing. They'd probably give you ibuprofen, maybe Tylenol with coating. They did give me ibuprofen. Oh, there you go. Yes, yeah. 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 So when I went there, it was 300, 395 Oxycontin pre-surgery. Whoa. Your surgery's in two weeks. If you wake up with a headache, just take one of these. Okay, you're a doctor. I go home, have no idea what that is, right? Like, yeah, this is this is real. I go home, wake up the That's next day. That's enough to like uh, inoculate a horse. Totally. Here's the here's the hard part. Like in three months, I had taken over a thousand. A thousand in three months on my mission. Oh man. Why? Because as soon as within weeks of taking it, one is not enough, two is not enough, and you start withdrawing immediately when it leaves you. Yeah. There's a good show on Hulu called um, Dope Sick. And it was so heavy, I couldn't even finish it. And I've been sober 10 years. It was so real, Michael Keaton, like being the doctor and prescribing. It was like flashbacks. I had nightmares and dreams. I was like, me and my buddies, we we talked about it. Like, dude, I can't even watch it. It was, that's exactly how it happened. Mm. And, and, And some of them were innocent, some weren't, right? Like I know a lot of doctors I had that I could, that were hooked themselves and would write me prescriptions. And I know, and- they were just enabling because they were addicts and they had the, they had the pin. 
and they had the pad, oh, man. right? And, and licensed drug dealing, right? Like you said. And then some that like were really trying to help me. Like, you know, like you got like, anyways, it's intense. So I don't know where I was going with that, but well, yeah. Well, I got intense. a question. I got a question. Um, we're going to have to wrap here, uh, wrap up here, unfortunately, in the next like six or seven minutes. But is, is there anything that uniquely helps somebody start recovery or, or, yeah, or yeah, what, yeah. what's a, what's a, a hump that you notice after having helped so many different people yep. get over it? Like, like what, what's that, what gets them down the path to recovery instead of just continuing the, the, the we might be able to help help Jay, others maybe with. mention the difference of being sober and being in recovery. Yeah. Like, like a lot of, like I, I was able to flush the pills on my mission when I got home and got back on them a hundred different times. Like it's easy to quit something. Like how many times have we all thrown out all the sugar, like we were joking about earlier, like, and say, I'm never going to eat that again. I'm starting today. Every January 1st, everyone does that. Right. But to stay sober, right. Or to stay away and to not go and get another donut or another alcohol drink or another uh, pill prescription. And so like, that's where it gets challenging. So, but to answer your question, like how it gets started, you have to first get honest. You have to literally, it's the hardest thing because once again, society is a little different than it was, but it's still looked at as a leper. Like you're a leper, like depending on what your disease is or what your addiction is, some are accepted a little bit more than others now. Like opiates are like, oh yeah, you were preyed upon. Like, oh, let's help you sometimes, right? But, but you you don't, sex you don't, addiction you don't, and certain other things. You don't have to things. be honest publicly either. So like the whole yeah. part of uh, the AA, the anonymous part, Jay is unique where he's broken and yeah, you don't have anonymy. to be like me. Oh. And, and as an open book to share it, most people aren't unless they're in a meeting. Yeah. And so like, there's, yeah. So. so first things first, you go on a website. If you know someone, obviously go to that person. If you know they're in recovery and ask them for help, say, listen, I need help in they're, or out of the church in or out of the church. Just it, it's, it's prudent that you get help. And then you can actually go on the church's website, addictionrecoveryprogram.com. And then you can actually find it's linked on ours too. It's yeah. It's linked on our no, bad plug. Um, but, uh, you know, <laughs> just kidding. Wherever, um, wherever. Yeah, Google serious. It. Like you can go on there and you could, you put in your zip code and find a meeting, show up and get honest and say, you need help. And then once you find someone that's willing to help you for free, right. Given what was freely given to them, to you now do whatever they tell you. Like that's one of the biggest things that I could say for anyone. Yeah, is a, is a sponsor. So, who's so that's one thing that. it is lacking in the church is a lot of these meetings that yeah. I live in New York is a really good senior couples that are called on a mission to lead ARP, but they, they have know nothing no about addiction, uh -huh. and so they don't have what's called a facilitator, which is someone in recovery or people that are doing that are sponsoring. They're not modeling AA in the traditional sense. They're, they're doing their best with what they got, totally, but what they got totally. is not. No. Right yeah. Stuff. We've all walked Like, like if you've walked there's, I talked to several people, they walk in, they walk out. Cause they're like, dude, it was just me and like these, maybe one other person and an old couple that knows nothing. They're sweet. They told me to pray and read my scriptures. If that worked, I wouldn't be using, yeah. right? Like, you know what I mean? I was on my mission. Mm -hmm. Right. So I guess one of the, and to bring it back in full circle, the reason why, um, it worked for me was like, we walked in that room in San Clemente when my wife had left me and I was like at the, depths of despair. And there was six to eight other dudes and girls in there that walked up to me and said, Hey, my name is so-and-so and I'm here to help. If you want my number, put it in your phone and call me whenever you want. And then they gave me these 12 steps. They said, if you want, if you want it, you may be sober right now, you may have flushed everything, but if you want to get your whole life back and some do the steps and with me or as a sponsor or with so-and-so as a sponsor, and don't try to do this on your own. If you try to do this on your own, it will not work. It's a wee program. You have to, it's, you know, strengthen numbers and, and it's powerful stuff. So, and I do want to close too with there, there's another side of that equation, which is the loved ones. 
And yeah, which in, my in wife the secular world is called Al Anon. Uh, it's called Family Support Within the Church. And we have our last two episodes that are just this week. And you can it just drop. Yeah. We're, we're doing YouTube now, too. But we had like six years of audio. But his wife, Lexi, on there, two, two episodes, two hours long about what it's like on the loved one side. And, powerful stuff. Very powerful. Man. Like, oh, I mean, open they, stuff, like th- about our marriage. There's steps for loved ones to go through so that they know how to best help. So they're not codependents anymore, not enablers. Like, and every addict keeps using because someone in their life, either uh, a, tr- a church member that loves them, yeah. right? A bishop, we a make society a president. Like, for people hoping they yeah, get like, or, or going over there and cleaning up their house for them and like getting them a job again and doing all this stuff, like enabling the behavior. Mm-hmm. There's someone in their life that's enabling or codependent. Like, you know, like, you know, trying to control them. And, and reality is we need consequences that are healthy and we need people to like set healthy boundaries. I didn't get sober until my wife said she hated me and wanted a divorce. That was what it took. Oh, right. Cause my wife was amazing. Everyone loves her. She loves everyone. And all of a sudden she's telling me she doesn't love me and meant it. This was not like an emotional, let's have a fight. Mm-hmm. It was like, get out of the house. Like I want out, I want home. Like, I don't care that these are our kids together. Like this is chaos. Mm-hmm. And, and that's so not like her, that's not, no, it's not like her. And if you listen to the podcast, I mean, she goes deep about her healing and how long she's always been super supportive when she got back. Like, more than most wives are and came with me to every meeting for eight, nine years until she found Alan on herself and did the steps for the last like two or three years. And now she's like sponsoring a ton of women. She was on the podcast and like, now she's like, I don't know. It's, it's crazy to see the change in her. Just like, I'm sure she saw the change in me, you know, years yeah. ago. So. Wow. This is awesome. Uh, just, Seriously. Whoa. I feel, <laughs> whew, you know what I'm saying? Um, how can people find you if they want to reach out? How, how can they get a hold of you? 12stepstochange.com. Uh, I think there's probably some links on there. So one of our great listeners who does not want any credit built <laughs> all that. And I'm like, do you want to like a shout out or something? He's like, nope, just send people there, He's get help. Stud. This That got him sober. This guy who made it, listened to it for, he said, 90 days every day, listen to our podcast. And his marriage and life is saved today. I'm like, what? I mean, it's so. It's 12 steps for change or 12 steps to change.com. It was the website you were on. Okay. It hyperlinks you over to the next step podcast. Oh, okay. Then you could just, uh, if you go to any audio podcast, anyone you listen to, look up 12 steps to change. It's the dudes walking up the stairs. Um, okay. We're not very good at marketing. We just do this on the yeah, side. This is literally just like, yeah. Like we're service. not trying to get in. We're not trying to like do anything except spread. Like, I. We read the reviews. We took a couple of years off. Jay's little rough patch. And I'm reading the reviews. I got on there one time and I felt so guilty of like, where are you at? You saved my life. You saved my marriage. I need like, more. Like it's yeah. he- it was heavy oh, to read to like, we just going through it again. Like, where'd you guys go? And it's like, oh, this is heavy stuff yeah. and from all over the world. Like, I mean, like countries where you're like, what do they, like, who, yeah. they, who speaks English? English there? Like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, that's not a missionary. Like, where, where's that coming from? And yeah. like, and then you're like, oh man. But it takes s- someone like me that still lives in shames at times. Like it's programmed in you. It's like a lifelong balance and, and practice to get over it. And you read something like that. You're like, okay, this wasn't all just for not. It's Ether 1227, right? This is like, this is literally like God put us here. And it says in Ether 1227, he's the one who gives us weaknesses. That's a unique perspective that most people in addiction don't see. They think of themselves, they found the weakness and they're therefore they're less than society. When reality is like our heavenly father loves us enough to give us weaknesses so that we can get humble so we can come unto him. And if we do that consistently, weak things become strong. We're sitting here on a podcast, you know, talking about it. Awesome. At midnight. We're just, yeah, Yeah. we're ending right there. That was beautiful. This is midnight strike through Mormons. See you guys in the next program. (laughs) 